Amazon Books, your weekly program about great reads through book talks, trailers, and first chapters. Presented by Mrs. Winningham and Mrs. Kovach. Hi, this is Mrs. Kovach. Today I'll be reading from the book Virals by Kathy Reichs. Tori Brennan was born a sci-file. Besides being the niece of the world-famous forensic anthropologist Temperance Brennan, Tori and her science geek friends have grown up exploring the backwood marshlands of Loggerhead Island, home to the mysterious and very off-limits Loggerhead Research Institute. Fortunately, Tori and her friends aren't afraid of breaking a few rules, and when they discover a captive wolf dog pup being held in the Institute for testing, they hatch a plot to bust him out. But freeing the pup means unleashing the unexpected, the contagious experimental strand of canine parovirus that infects all four psi files almost instantly, altering their DNA forever. With heightened senses and animal quick reflexes, the virals are dangerous to the core, but are they unstoppable enough to solve a cold-blooded murder, especially when their killer has caught their scent? Prologue. A gunshot is the loudest sound in the universe, especially if the bullet is coming at you. Crack, crack. Bullets slash the forest canopy. Overhead monkeys screech and scatter, and down below I ran. Heedless, legs hammering, I pounded through the undergrowth, mind blank, terrified. Find the path. Shapes zoomed by in black. Trees, bushes, startled creatures, gun-toting killers. I couldn't tell. Heart thumping, I barreled forward in a dead sprint, blind. A root snagged my foot, and I went down. Pain detonated in my leg. Get up, get up, get up. Something large zipped past in the darkness. I froze. Ben? No reply. Sudden stillness. Waiting here means death. Move. Scrambling to my feet, I bolted into the night. Was high up ahead? Shelton had gone left, darting into the trees. Please be Ben that ran by me. We hadn't had a plan. Why would we? No one knew where we were or what we were doing. Who the heck is trying to shoot me? Exhausted, I gulped air. Later, after the change, I could have run forever, fast, tireless, my perfect vision piercing the night shadows, not gasping lost in the shapeless dark. These thugs wouldn't have stood a chance, whoever they were. Not when our powers were unleashed. My pack would have savaged them. Planned without speaking a word, stalked them like they were kittens, then taken out the trash. But not that night. I was in trouble, fading, scared, so I ran hard. Branches clawed my limbs and ripped my skin. Finally, I hit an open space. The beach. I was close. A voice hisses from the void. Dory, 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 over here. Shelton, thank goodness. In the starlight, I could just make out the boat. Vaulting the railing, I dropped into the bow and turned to scan the shoreline. Clear from the moment. Where's I? Where's Ben? I whispered, panting, sweat drenched. I was definitely on a tilt. I'm here, Ben eased from the darkness. A quick bound and he was in, sliding behind the controls. Keys in hand, he paused, afraid to turn on their engine. Afraid not to. Hi was still out there. We sat tense and waiting. My courage leaked from shoes. Come on, Hi. Show. Please. Oh my goodness. Please, 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 please. Part 1. Islands. Chapter 1. The whole thing started with a dog tag. Well, a monkey with a dog tag. Take your pick. I should have known it would be trouble. Should have sensed it. If I wasn't perceptive then, I hadn't even evolved yet. Wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. It was a typical Saturday morning at home, though my home is anything but typical. It's unique, bizarre even, which means I fit right in. 
There are lots of interesting things out where I live if you like the outdoors as much as I do. Not a nature lover, you might find my hood a bit out of touch because I live on a deserted island. Well, a pretty empty one anyway. Morris Island, my home away from normal homes. Then to the line, Nowheresville, the back part of nowhere of Charleston. It was so bad if you were prone to loneliness, which I am, but whatever. I've come to appreciate the legroom. Morris isn't imposing as islands go, only four square miles. The northern half of it is unremarkable strip of rolling sandy hills. Then in the middle, sand hills rise 30 to 40 feet, marching south as the island widens. The eastern reach consists of a dense marshland bordered by shallow tidal bays. To the east, the boundless Atlantic Ocean, dunes, swamp, beach, and quiet, plenty of quiet. Only two modern structures exist on our tiny little landmass. One is a complex in which I live. The other is a road, the road, our only connector to the outside world. It's one lane, unmarked, narrow strip of pavement that winds south through the dunes and marshes before leaving Morris and crossing Lighthouse Creek to Rat Island. Eventually, the, backtop, the blacktop meets the highway of Folly Beach and then passes Goat Island on the way into the city. Rat, Goat, Folly. You'll have to ask the Charleston Historical Society who picked such delightful names. There are a dozen more. It was all new to me. The year before, I'd never been south of Pennsylvania. Then I crashed into my dad's life. About my roommate, Christopher Kit Howard is my father. Kit and I have known the fact for exactly six months. That's when I moved to South Carolina to live with him. I had no choice after what happened to my mom after the accident. I'm not sure why, but mom never told Kit about me. He had no idea he was a father, had he been one, in fact, for the last 14 years. Kit was still not over the shock. I could see it on his face every now and then. He'd wake up from a nap or come up for air after a long stretch of work and literally jump when he notices me. I see it, register, that's my daughter. I have a daughter who's 14 and lives with me. I'm her father. Same shock for me, Pops. I'm working through it, too. How do I describe my newfound dad? Kit is 31, a marine biologist and a research professor at an institute on Loggerhead, a workaholic. He's also a clueless parent. Maybe it's all too new, you know, the astonishment of learning you have a half-grown kid. Or maybe Kit remembers his own wild youth. In any case, he has no idea what to do with me. One day he chats me up like one of his buddies, and the next he treats me like a child. To be honest, I own my share of blame for things being... Being sticky, I'm no saint, and I'm not um, at a loss about having a father. Sometimes I feel I might be even more lost. So here we are, together, smack dab in the middle of nowhere. That day, I am classifying seashells by species. Corny? Maybe. But I'm a science nut. I live for figuring things out, finding answers. Mom always jokes that it's hard raising kids who are smarter than most college professors. My take? I just do what I do. Piles of shells litter the kitchen table. Sundell, shark eyes, turkey wings, recently cleaned and buffed, they gleam in the early morning sunlight. I remove a new, new specimen from the bucket at my feet, making sure not to dribble bleach water on my clothes. It was a scotch bonnet, easily recognizable, white, egg-shaped with red and brown spots circling its grooved outer surface. Pleased with my rare find, I set it aside to dry. Reach, pull. My next draw was a mystery. Ark, cockle, both clams are abundant on the South Carolina coast. Despite having soaked in bleach for almost two hours, the shell's exterior was covered with caked on debris. Barnacles and encrusted silt obscure all the details. Excellent. I've been looking for an excuse to use my power tools. They were a gift from my great aunt Tempe. You may have heard of her. 
I was shocked when I found out I was related to Dr. Temperance Brennan, the world-famous forensic anthropologist. She's kind of my idol. When Kit first told me, I didn't believe him, but this, but his story ch checked out. Tempe's sister, Harry, is my grandmother. So there's a celebrity in the family, a renowned scientist. Who knew? Okay, at the point, I'd only met Aunt Tempe once, but that wasn't her fault. After all, like Kit, she'd only known of my existence for six months. Aunt Tempe's job's pretty intense. She identifies corpses. Seriously, a dead body might be burned or decomposed or mummified. It could be a maggot city or just a skeleton. Doesn't matter. Aunt Tempe determines who the person is, was, and then she and the cops try to figure out what happened to them. Not bad if you have a steady stomach. I think I do. Learning about my aunt helped me understand myself, why I have to answer every question, solve every riddle, why I'd rather read about fossilized raptors or global warming than go shopping for handbags. I can't help it. It's in my DNA. Aunt Tempe's specialty is teasing facts from bones. What better way to use her gifts than to clean dead mollusk shells? That's all shells are anyway, bones. Digging at the Dremel cordless rotary tool for my kit, I attached the bristle brush head and gently abraded the, the encrustations on the shell surface. After a few moments, I switched to sanding drum head to remove more dirt. Once the larger barnacles are gone, I grab my Natec micro sandblaster, hook its line into a small air compressor, and delicately bathe the seashell with aluminum oxide sand. Next, I use a dental pick to scrape off the final pesky particles. After washing away the remaining grit with the water pick, I went back to the rotary tool, this time with the polish head. Done. The shell glistened on the table before me, a spotted tan oval with a purplish interior, four inches long. Prominent radial ribs running from the hinge to the edge. I double-checked my guide to the South Carolina coast, confirming my guest, a giant heart cockle. Mystery solved. I placed the shell in its proper pile and dipped back into the bucket. Empty. Time for something else. I decided to fix a snack, slim picking since Kit hasn't been to the Piggly Wiggly in over a week. I suppressed a pang of irritation. The supermarket was located 30 minutes away on James Island. It's not like he passes it every day. Island refugee living. It's a blast. I settle for carrot sticks, old ones. I pop a Diet Coke. I know what you're thinking, but I do try to eat healthy. Just leave me my caffeine, thank you. The heart wants what it wants. I check my phone. They're late. No text either. I consider my options. Zilch on TV, no surprise. Nothing called out from the unread book pile. The internet was a snooze. Zero news on Facebook. No homework this weekend. It was late May, and most of the teachers seemed anxious as the kids to end the year gracefully. I was stuck. Only 14. I couldn't act exactly hop in a car and take off. Plus, where would I go? To hang out with my pals in town? Please. Everyone who liked... Who likes me is an island refugee too that left local options limited to say the least but where were they anyway have i mentioned that my block is the most remote strip of the housing in charleston on earth no one else lives anywhere near us most maps don't acknowledge morris island is inhabited our whole neighborhood consists of 10 town homes built inside a single 430 foot reinforced concrete structure 40 souls total that's it and nothing else. From our place, it's a 20-minute drive until you glimpse the first road sign. And at that point, you're still so far from civilization, but on the right track. My friends and I usually skip the road and travel by boat. Impressed? You should be. After all, how many people do you know live in a converted military barracks? And I'm not talking this century. This building is super old. 
During the Civil War, Morris Island guarded the southern approach to the Charleston Harbor. The Confederate Army built a stronghold called Fort Wagner to block access to the island's northern tip. Good call. The rebels had this big honking guns up there. Wagner straddled the only path the Yanks could use to get to them. Fort Wagner, Fort Montreux on the Sullivan Island, and Fort Sumter, a man-made hunk of concrete in the middle of the harbor, formed the core of the Charleston's defense against attack by the sea. In 1863, the Union Army tried to storm Wagner, the 54th Massachusetts Infantry, one of the Americans' first regiments of black soldiers led the attack. It was brutal and unfortunately a total bust. Even their commander was killed. I watched a movie about it once. I think Denzel won an Oscar. He earned it, made me cry, and I don't often do that. Maybe I was supposed to root for the Charleston soldiers, but I'm a Massachusetts girl. Besides, I'm not siding with slave owners ever. No way. Sorry. Go Union. Fort Wagner was abandoned after the war, but the basic structure survived. Now Morris Island is a nature preserve held in trust by the Charleston University. That's my father's employer. Ditto for everyone else living there. When the university converted the old Fort Wagner barracks, it offered free housing to the faculty working on Loggerhead Island, its offshore research facility. Loggerhead is even smaller and more remote than Morris.